Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. All right, today we're continuing our series called Dream Junkies. Anybody got a dream in this place? Amen. About three people have a dream. I don't know about the rest of y'all. Let me try it again. Anybody have a dream in this place? Yeah. I mean, everybody has dreams. You may not believe in God. You might just be checking this church out, but you know what? You have a dream. And we chase after our dreams because of what we believe they'll do for us and what they, we believe they'll do for others. But we learned last week that God has a dream for us that's even bigger than our dreams. And that he actually wants us to live our lives chasing the dreams that he's placed in our hearts. In fact, he wants us to be dream junkies, people that are addicted to uh, seeing the dreams God has given us come to pass in our lives and in the lives of other people. And so last week we learned that God is a big God and he gives big dreams. And then uh, we learned that indeed he has placed a big dream in your heart and that indeed you're to chase that dream. And if you'll chase that dream, God will give you the future that you long for. God will cause that dream to come to pass. He'll do whatever it takes. So you're living in that, you're sitting in that moment where you can say, I am now living the dream that God gave me. And then we gave you four things to do that help you to live that dream. We said, number one, you need to know God through experiences. Number two, you need to find freedom through relationships. Number three, discover your purpose through exploring. And then number four, make a mark through serving. Today I want to go a little different direction with this because uh, to live the dreams that God has placed in your heart, you really need to have the right values. Somebody say values. You got to have the right values. And values are are basically beliefs, they're ideas, uh, they are, 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 are things that you live by. And so there are really eight values that we live by here at FX Church. And you need to live by them. We need to live by them as a church. And the city of Detroit and this country needs us to live by them. So I want to go to number one, which is very simply this. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. Turn to him and tell him, Jesus is our message. So Mark chapter 5 and verse 18 can reveal this to us. And if we were to back up in Mark chapter 5, we would find that uh, Jesus appears on the shore of the Gadarenes. And when he does, a man who is demon-possessed, the Bible says, runs to him. And this man was so demon-possessed that he lived among the tombs, that he spent his days crying and cutting himself with stones, that he had a demonic strength, so when they tried to put chains and fetters on him, he would just break them off. He was so demon-possessed that he was actually possessed with not one demon, but a legion of demons. Enough that when Jesus cast the demons out, they went into 2,000 pigs and caused those pigs to kill themselves. So imagine that many demons in one person. So his life was horrible. Jesus shows up and sets the man free. He's totally delivered. He actually is now sitting there right in front of Jesus and his right mind totally recovered. And news gets out. So the people from the town, of course, they know this guy. He's been haunting the town, right? They come running out to see what's happened And they see Jesus, and they see this man, and he's totally normal, and they become afraid. And they actually ask Jesus to leave. Now, I still don't get that, because I ought to be like, oh, I got some demon-possessed family members. No. Anyway, so they ask him to leave. And so we pick up in verse 18. You notice Jesus will do what you ask. So they, they said, leave. He said, okay. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So this is one of the only places in the Bible that I can think of where Jesus actually told somebody no. 
He always says, yes, you know, will you heal me? Yes, et cetera. And so here, this man, he, he does what we would do, you know, can, can I go with you? You're the one that just set me free. You know, the safest place I can be is next to you. And Jesus says, no. Instead, Jesus says, go home to your family, your friends, if you study what the original Greek is saying, so your world, and tell them, somebody say, tell them, tell them the great things I have done for you. So verse 20 says, the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things, and Jesus had done great things for him, the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. So notice that this man was very thankful. He had to be for what Jesus had done for him, and he was very passionate about telling everybody about what had happened to him. He, he, he was somebody that didn't just go to his family and his friends. He went to the, the region called Decapolis, which is the ten towns, and he was telling everybody about what Jesus did for him. And of course, you know, him even going to his family and friends was impactful because they knew what happened to him. So they knew what he was like before, and they can see what he's like now, and then he's telling them, you know who did this for me? Jesus did. And so this man is changing lives through telling everybody about Jesus. Jesus was his message. He was basically saying, Jesus changed my life. And you know, I'm sure there's some of us in here that could say the same thing. Maybe you weren't possessed with a legion of demon spirits. Well, maybe you were, but no, anyway. Uh, but come on, maybe, maybe it wasn't that, but you had some real issues in, in your mental health, or you had some physical issues, or you had some family issues, or, or financial issues, or most importantly, you know, you were empty in your heart. You were totally lost, and then somebody told you about Jesus, and you finally chose to believe him. You finally chose to follow him, and suddenly things changed in your life. You went from the crazy person to the sane person. You went from the sick to the healed. You went from the depressed to the joyful. You went from the lost to the found. Can anybody here say that that would be true of you? That, that's your testimony. I see a lot of hands up. We could say, yeah, Jesus changed my life. And because he changed our lives, we should have the same, uh, uh, we should do the same thing that this man did. We should be telling others about the Jesus that changed our lives. Jesus should be our message. In fact, Romans chapter 12 says something that jumps out at me. In verse 1 it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Once again, we just finished saying he's done a lot for you. Anybody say he's done a lot for you? Yeah, because of all he's done for you, in light of everything he has done for you, in light of all the times he forgave you, in light of all the times he was merciful to you, in light of all the times he gave you favor, in light of all the times he gave you joy when you were depressed, in light of all the times he opened doors that were closed in front of you, in light of all the times you came to church and heard the message you needed when you needed to hear it, in light of all the times that somebody prayed for you, in light of all he has done for you, the least you can do is present yourself to him. Come on, Psalm 96.3 says it this way. It says, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. We ought to be telling everybody about the amazing things he's done for us. After all he's done for us, we should tell others. He should be our message. And, you know, we get this because, you know, most people like to watch television shows or movies. And, you know, when you watch a really good show and you get around family and friends, what do you do? You tell them about it. Man, you got to check out this show. It was so good. I stayed up all night watching this show. Man, you got, oh man, why is it so good? Because of this and because of that. Why do we do that? Because we enjoyed the show. Because what the show did for us was it entertained us. 
And because we're so excited about it entertaining us and we so love the people that we're talking to, we want them to have the same experience. Well, I've got to tell you, there's something far better than a show that so many of us have experienced. It didn't just entertain us. It healed us. It delivered us. It prospered us. It, it saved our souls. It gave us a future. It's not a it. It's a he. His name is Jesus. And because he has done so much for us, he must be our message. 1 John chapter 4. Somebody say, Jesus is our message. Verse 9 says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Without his love, we wouldn't even be free. Without his love, we, 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 we couldn't love, uh, love him it's because he loved us that we're even in a, in a place where we could say, I love you, Jesus. We could sing a song and say, I'll give my life to you. You're worthy of glory. You're worthy of honor. It's because he loved us that, that we ought to turn around and say, you love me so much, Jesus. I love you back. In fact, Matthew chapter 22 talks about this. It says in verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and with all your mind. Why? Why should I love God? Because the Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 5, when we were yet sinners, we were God's enemies. Jesus came and lived on this earth, and he allowed his own creation to punch him and to whip him with the cat of nine tails and to pierce his hands and his feet and hang him on a cross, put a crown of thorns on his head, hang him up naked. Then he went down to hell for three days and three nights. And he did all that for you when you didn't want him. When whether you realize it or not, you were actually playing for the other team. I mean, it's one thing, the Bible says, one thing to die for a friend. It's another thing to die for an enemy. It's one thing, you know, if somebody came and tried to shoot my kid, I'd jump in the way. That's great. But if somebody tried to jump and came and shoot your enemy, some of us will say, go ahead. Right? But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he hung on that cross and he died for you just so that you would have the opportunity to switch sides. He so loved you that he gave his life for you. He loved you this much. And so since he loved you that much, the natural thing for you to do is to love him back. And God doesn't want you to give him that tepid love. He's saying, love me with all your heart all your soul, all your mind. I want you to love me with your spirit. I want you to love me with your emotions. I want you to love me with your mind. Other, other gospels talk about loving him with all your strength. Because he first loved you. Because he first loved you. I mean, that's, that's really the point God's getting at. Because he truly and fully demonstrated his love to us, we should choose to love him. And because we love him, we should tell people about him. Come on, think about it. When you first fell in love, your friends probably got tired of hearing about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're like, okay, we know, we know she fine. We know he funny. We know y'all went to that movie. I, we, we, I, okay, can we please talk about something else? There, was some, there is life outside of that person. And when you're in love, you can't help but tell people about it. It's all over your face, right? You, you, you walk in, your grandmama look at you, oh, you in love, ain't you? <laughs> Can anybody experience that? Yeah. It's all because you love them. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is and should be our first love. The way you were when you first fell in love, the way you couldn't help but, but talk about that person, that's how you should be about him. 
That's why when people who are around, people come around you that, that don't know God, they should hear something about the one you're in love with. I mean, they should almost get to a place like, I know, I know, you already told me about Jesus. Uh, you already invited me to your church. You prayed for me last week. Come on now, because that's your message. That's what's coming out your mouth. Jesus, Jesus, he did this for me. Jesus, he loved me so much that he, he saved me. He gave me a new life, and he'll do the same thing for you. This is, what we're, this is one of the things that we should do. This is how we should be if we're going to live the dream God has for us. You're not going to live the dream that Jesus gave you without being crazy about Jesus. And that's really what God wants. He wants you to get to the place where Jesus is your message. He is what's on your lips. He is the one that you're constantly giving glory to, whose, whose name you're constantly putting in neon lights in your life. In fact, Colossians chapter 3, let me take it to another one. Somebody say it again, Jesus is our message. Anybody glad he so loved us? Man, we ought to love him. I mean, this is why David said what he said in Psalm 63. I'll read it to you real fast. He said, oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In verse 8, he says, my soul follows hard after you. Is that just supposed to be David's story? Is it supposed to be ours as well? supposed to be ours as well. We're supposed to be in love with him and talking about him all the time. Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, set your affection. Huh, that sounds like something I care about, right? And literally is what it means, what you're interested in, what you're focused on. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, did you see that phrase? He is our life. And so as I read this, I often think about he's not just my Sunday mornings from 11 to 1230. He's not just my small group meeting. He's not just a, a conference or an event from time to time. He's not just my Sunday or my Monday. He, he, he's my Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He is my life. And where a lot of Christians get into trouble is that you, you want to give him 5% of your life. 10% of your life. And then you say, how come I'm not living the dream that's in my heart? Because he is the dream. You already got the main ingredient if you're a believer. If you're not, you can get it today. And so when you get him and you're focused on him and you're enjoying life with him, the byproduct is you live the dream he gave you. But you got to recognize he is your life. And what jumps out of me about this opening of scripture is that the word life here doesn't just mean our natural way of living. It's not just talking about our Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays. It's actually the Greek word is zoe. It refers to the God kind of life. It's, it's the life that God has. I, I, I grew up watching Transformers and of course, I used to love Transformers like most guys. Any, any, anybody remember Transformers? I, I mean, the, the, the movies were great, but the cartoons were better. No, anyway. Um, and, and Optimus Prime had this matrix of leadership in his heart. So he could literally peel back, you know, the, 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 his chest, and you see this glowing ball in his heart. And when he lost that, he lost his life. Well, when you become a believer, before you were a believer, you were walking around without that life. So you were basically a zombie. You were the walking dead. You had life, but you didn't have life. That's why you were so empty. But when you chose to follow Jesus, it's like God gave you the matrix of leadership. His life was placed in the middle of you. And now because that life is in you, you are truly living. You have a relationship with God, and you can have joy and peace and love, and you can do miracles, and all that this life, this future God have for you, you can live it. And, and Jesus is really the, the cause of that. He's the source of that. Well, if this is the thing that's given me everything I want, shouldn't I bring, build everything around it? 
I mean, that's what Optimus Prime, he didn't walk around with this thing in his hand. He put it right in the middle of his, I'm going to protect this thing. Shouldn't everything in my life be about protecting this life? Shouldn't my life be about the one who gave me this life? And that's really what he's saying here. He's saying set your affection, put, put, focus on him, focus on his things. Live your life uh, uh, thinking about Jesus and sharing about Jesus. Jump down to the uh, next scripture here. And, and, and Romans chapter 11, it says, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He's talking about how we should live our lives, and he's saying we should be fervent in spirit. The word fervent there means to be hot. To be hot. So he's saying you ought to be hot for God. And those of us who were here in our last series, we did all summer, we talked about the book of Revelation. We saw a chapter where God said to them, I would rather you be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And that tells you that he's talking about your spiritual temperature. Are you just cold and turned off from God? Are you lukewarm? You know God, but you're not really on fire for him. You're just kind of doing this Christian thing. But you know, you're just trying to, you just hope you got fire insurance. Right? I'm following Jesus, but I'm living like I want to live. I, you know, I don't really, I come to church when I feel like it. I, I, you know, I do those things when I feel like it, but that's not really what I'm about. Or are you hot? When you're hot for God, Jesus is your message. Right? He's the one that you're, you're talking about. He's the one that you're thinking about. He's the one that you're living for. And, and that's when you find yourself walking out the dream God has given you. And see, this is where I think some people, this message is already challenging you because you, you're kind of thinking, I can do what I'm doing today and yet get the dream that God has placed in me. And you can't. You must change. It is the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing but expect a different result. And the reason why you may be living a mediocre life is because you are a mediocre Christian. Because you're a lukewarm Christian. Instead of God being, your life, instead of being on fire for God, you're kind of sitting in this in-between space. Where Jesus isn't your message, you barely say anything about Jesus until you need help. You know, you're almost in the car accident. You say Jesus, and he says, that's the first time I heard my name in a week. <laughs> Come on now, let's, let's be real. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to help you to see something. It's not until you are on fire for him that you live the big dream he's placed in your heart. Because he's, he is the dream. And you can't get what God has without getting him. Too many of us are trying to use Jesus. You know, it's like somebody trying to marry someone for their money, but they don't really love them. And there's too many of us that want to use him like an ATM, use him like a, you know, a firefighter, use him just when we need him, and he doesn't want that. Now, he's merciful, so when you're new in the things of God, God will show up for you, he'll do some things for you. But ultimately, he's saying, no, 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 I didn't sign up to be used by you. I signed up to be loved by you. That's why God created you. He made you a free moral agent because he didn't want you to be a robot. It's not love if he forces you to love him. It's love when you choose to love him. That's why he put the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden because he wanted man to choose to love him. And God wants you to choose to love him today to be on fire for him so much so that you're talking about him all the time that he is your message. And that is this church's story. We are here to talk about Jesus. We thank God for all these done for us. We thank God for all he's doing, doing through us. But we're here to preach Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the minute they say you can't preach Jesus, guess what we're going to say? Jesus. He is our message because of what he did for us. He is our message because he so loved us. And because of those things, he is our life. And we can't help but talk about him. Jesus is our message. He's our message, and we need to be passionate about him, just like we are a favorite team. 
I saw this great commercial years ago. I guess it, I guess it's been playing over the last year, and it was about fans whose favorite player has switched teams. And so you could see these fans, and they're sitting there crying. They had this sad music, and they had the jersey in front of them. And, you know, they about to throw the jersey away. They're going to burn the jersey. And, and fans get upset when their favorite player changes teams. I remember years ago as a Pistons fan, when Grant Hill decided to leave Detroit, I was mad. He was my favorite player. Like, we finally got our own superstar. And you leaving to go to Orlando? You know, upset. And, of course, it led to them getting Ben Wallace. We got championship anyway, so whatever. But I remember I'm a passionate sports fan, right? I, I get how you can, you can pick a team and, 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 man, you read everything about them and you're excited about them and you're talking about them and, and all of that. I get that. And, and because you've set your affection on them. And God is saying, after all I've done for you, how I've loved you, I want you to set your affection on me. I want you to be on fire for me. Let me be your message. Somebody say it again. Jesus is our message. Turn to somebody else and tell them, you need to talk about Jesus. All right, so then number two, and these two go together real well. People are our heart. People are our heart. Of course, if you're on fire for God, then you will care about what he cares about. What does he care about? People. Mark chapter 16 says, and then he told them, this is Jesus speaking, talking to the 11 apostles, he said, go then into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. What's the good news about? Jesus. He rose again. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Just tell everybody about me. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So Jesus is saying, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to just hope people come and talk to you about this. You need to go. And at some point, we, we have to be active in sharing our faith, right? He says, go to all the world because he wants all people to have the opportunity to hear about him. And he says, I want you to preach this indeed to everyone, every person. Why? Because he wants every person to miss hell and go to heaven. So what does God do? How is God going to accomplish reaching your family, your friends, your loved ones that, that don't know him? He's sending you. And he's sending you because he expects that you love him and you love them so much that you feel like you've got to tell them. Jude chapter 1 and verse 22 says this, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others. Look at that. They need to be rescued by snatching them from the flames of judgment. So notice he's saying, hey, I want you to go rescue those that are far from me. And, 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 and if you're back up in Jews, you can see there's multiple ways you can do that. Some people, you love them in. Some people, it's hellfire and brimstone. You got to let them know, man, you keep this up, this is what's going to happen to you. But the point is, he's focused on people, people. And he's saying, I expect you to be the same way. I, I want you to go and tell people about me so they can be saved. I want you to rescue people because they need to be rescued. So our, our, in our uh, X group, we're going through this book called Share Jesus Without Fear. And I want to share something that the author said. He said, one night I had a dream. A woman clutched a little girl struggling to hold her child's head above the water. Nearby, a wave plunged the man into its salty, salty depths. He choked for air as he thrashed his arms against a ceiling of water. And all around the ocean churned with drowning people, gasping for air and desperately trying to push their heads above the surface. Their screens were doused by the roar of the relentless waves. Their cries caught the wind, but only in vain. They were alone in their terror with no help in sight. Then a huge rock appeared, and a voice called into the darkness. People began crawling up the rock's craggy sides to safety. But when they got to safety, something happened that drove me almost goofy. The people who emerged from the waves got busy. They got involved in building rock gardens, rock lives, rock jobs, listening to their rock music, and going to rock meetings where they talked about the people who were still drowning in the ocean. But nobody went back to the water's edge to help. 
Have you ever tried to run or yell in a dream? In my dreams, I can do neither. Yet I tried to run. I tried to yell at the top of my lungs. How could you have forgotten you were once in the sea? As I watched the saved scurry about their rock work, and as I listened to their rock talk, I realized the rock was the cross of Calvary. The voice they heard was Jesus, calling by the power of the Holy Spirit, inviting them to come join him. He's never high up on the rock where it's safe. He's calling from the ocean's edge where the dead, the diseased, and the lost are found. And as you might recall, that's where he found you. Did you know that as few as 5 to 10% of the people in an average church have shared their faith in the past year? That means 90% of us have chosen the sin of silence. Just like in my dream, those who were drowning have gotten so busy involved and involved with the safety of the rock, they've forgotten to reach out to those who are still drowning. Why do we do that? We do that when we stop caring about people. We get so focused on ourselves and our lives and our wants that we forget that I used to be drowning in that sea. And somebody was used by God to come and rescue me. And somebody else needs me to do the same thing for them. Somebody else needs me to do exactly the same thing for them. And, and you know, uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Because that's really what Christianity is supposed to be about. It's not about just having what you want. It's not, just, it's not about just, just enjoying yourself. You can do those things as God is the center of your life and as you're busy helping him accomplish his mission. But it's about people. People are your heart. I know as a father, uh, you know, particularly when my daughters were younger, you know, I, I really did my best to spend a good amount of time with them to make sure I was there. But there were times when I look back where I was there, but I wasn't there. Anybody know what I mean by that? Like they're there, they're playing, but my head is somewhere else. I'm focused on work or some other matter. And I look back now and now they're a little older and they're teenagers and they don't necessarily want dad around all the time. I kind of go, man, you know, you really should have just been there, there. You know, you, you, you really, because I found that whenever I did do that, we go on vacation or something, and I just focus on the kids, I enjoyed that more than anything else. I would be like, oh, man, this has been so much fun. You know, I had to go back to work like, oh, man, I got to go deal with all these crazy people now, you know. No, I'm just messing around. I mean, there's something about time with each other. There's something about relationship. And I'm kind of getting my head ahead of myself, but that, that's unlike anything else. There's something about people that's better than anything else. So one thing I love about this church is that as we've, as we've grown older, you know, this church likes each other. When I pull up to the church, everybody talking. When I leave the church, everybody talking. We do a welcome in the middle of the service, everybody talking. Everybody, that's good. That's how it's supposed to be, right? People are everything. They're everything to God, and they really should be everything to us. And when we see people are drowning in this world, we should care enough to do everything we can to try to save them. The world is crumbling all around us. Anybody agree with that? I mean, I'm not just talking about what you see in politics. I mean, you could just in our city. Just pick up, just watch the news. I can't even watch the news most of the time. I can't even do it. I, I usually just get my news from Twitter because I can see it in little bite sizes and I can get as deep as I want. But most of them I can't because it, it can be depressing seeing what people deal with, how bad it is. The crime rates in our, our city and in this country have skyrocketed over the last two years. And just the other day, we are just watching, you know, the news for a minute, and, and, and I happened to see, uh, you know, some footage of just the, the, the crimes that were being committed, people being beaten up and, and breaking into stores and shooting people and all this other stuff. And, and all this is happening. And so a lot of times we, we kind of look at the good things in life and we almost use them as a distraction, understandably so, so that we don't think about all this craziness. But the craziness is still there. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to go to the game today, and you're going to have, you know, 60,000 fans screaming and excited about something that great, great that happens during the game, hopefully. <laughs> and yet when they go home, you know, who knows what's happening, right? You still, and so that's the world we're living in. Now, we have found the rock. We got the limo. We're in this place where we can, we, we, we found the way out. We know how to be delivered, but there's something wrong with us caring only about ourselves. We ought to care enough about the people around us. They ought to be our heart. They ought to be our heart. That's one of the values we got to have is people have to be hard. Even when it comes to your dream, it can't just be about, well, I want to be a great success so I can be rich and famous. God's not interested in you just being rich to be rich, famous to be famous. Everything he's doing in your life, he's doing so he can do it through you, not just for you. You're, you're the water hose. A water hose gets wet on the inside, but his purpose is for water to come through it. And God has made you as a water hose. He's supposed to use the gifts that you give you. The, you're supposed to use the gifts he's given you to create something great so that you are impacting other people. And while that's happening, you're getting wet in the process. Where a lot of people get in trouble is that you're so focused on you, you stopped up the hose. And what happens with water that doesn't get to get out? Doesn't it get, it get in some cases, things like that get diseased. That's a lot of Christians because you're, you're, you're focused on yourself. And no, you, you need to shift. You got to remember something we just talked about last week, uh, a very important phrase. It's not about us. Well, if it's not about us, who is it about? It's about them. It's about people. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. Well, you're a debtor. You mean you owe? people around you something some people he doesn't even know what does he owe them he owes them to tell he owes them the gospel you know there's a story in second uh, kings chapter 7 where the bible teaches the city was under siege by an enemy army and what happens when they when a city is under siege is that they, they prevent food from getting in the city so this city had been under siege for so long that the people were starving and parents started eating their own children. It was that bad. And the prophet of God shows up and he prophesies that in the next 24 hours, this entire situation is going to change. You're going to go from lack to prosperity. And so the Bible says there are four lepers who are sitting up by the gate of the city and they're about to die. They're so hungry. And they said, you know what? Let's just go out to the enemy camp. They have some food there. If we die here or we die there, what does it matter? Let's at least take a chance. So when they started going out to the enemy camp, God made it sound like an enemy army had come, another army had come to fight for the people of his city. So the enemy became afraid. They just jumped up and they ran. They left all their food, their gold chains. They left it all. And so when the lepers arrived at the enemy camp, they found this place was full of food, full of treasure. And the first thing they did was get everything they could, they could handle. And they're grabbing stuff and they're hiding it so they can, they can keep this stuff. We're going to have it made. And then it dawned on somebody. They said, wait a minute, this isn't right. That whole city is, is starving. People are eating their children. And here we are with all this food and all this wealth. And so they went back and told the king, and then the whole city came out, and everybody ate, and everybody prospered, and what the prophet prophesied came to pass. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, Jesus came and saved me. I was starving. I was lost. And in fact, he was, he was the enemy of God. He was having Christians thrown in prison and, and, and causing them to lose their lives, and Jesus saved him. And he said, now I'm sitting here in this place of, of spiritual a wholeness. I've got purpose. And, and it's not right for me to be in this place and see them suffering and dying and eating their children. In our world, they're, they're murdering their children and calling abortion. Doing all, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And, and I have the answer and I'm not going to tell them. I should care enough about them 
that I'll even put myself in jeopardy to make sure they know the truth. And that goes back to what Paul says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready. Somebody say ready. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I'm ready to tell people about Jesus. I can't wait. I'm eager to do it for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why would it be ashamed? Because the world will try to shame you for trying to tell people about Jesus. The world will try to shame you for even believing in Jesus. And yet Paul says, I don't care what somebody else says. I don't care uh, even what might be going on in my own mind. Some of us struggle with that. I choose to not be ashamed of this for you. I'm going to ignore the shame. I'm going to ignore people might maybe looking at me a little bit funny. I'm going to ignore not being cool to some people because I love you so much, I have to tell you about the fact that there's food here. I have to tell you about the fact that there's treasure here. I have to tell you about the fact there's somebody that can rescue you and can save your family and can save your mental health and can save you from the world and the life that you've been living. I care so much about you, I'm going to put myself on the line and I'm going to just tell you about Jesus. Jesus, because I know that that word is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The words of God created this universe so the words of God can save your soul. It can change your life. So I'm going to speak those words for you because I care about you and I care about the one that made you. People are our heart. Now here's something we got to get a hold of. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Here's something we got to watch out for. We're talking about sharing our faith, right? At some point, you got to tell people about Jesus. But if we're not careful, we think we're only successful when somebody prays the prayer of salvation with us. If I get them saved, I've succeeded. If I do not, I have failed. Wrong. Success is sharing your faith. If you just share your faith, you won. It is not your job to save them. So what Paul just said, I, have, I, I planted Apollos watered, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. So you, my job is just to tell them about Jesus. Tell them what God has done in my life and mission accomplished. The rest is up to God. The average person hears the gospel, I think it was seven or eight times before they even believe. How many times did you hear before you believed? So you don't know what time you might be. The first time, the sixth time. Some people, it takes 20 times. But know that every time you share about what he's done in your life. You are planting a seed. They're going to remember that. There was a great movie years ago called Jerry Maguire. Anybody remember Jerry Maguire? I don't know if those are a little younger. You may not remember that movie, but Jerry Maguire was a great film about a sports agent. And at the end of the movie, Jerry Maguire shows up at the house of the woman that he's chasing. And if you haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you, but that's your fault. You had 20 years. <laughs> and he walks in. And she's surprised to see him, and he gives this amazing speech about how much he loves her and on and on. And when he gets done, she says, you had me a hello. And that's how God is. As soon as you share Jesus, you had me a hello. When you told somebody what I did for you, you had me. I'm pleased. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm a man, I'm about to bless you. I'm about to anchor you, about to live this dream. You just got to give them your hello. Sharing Jesus is the success. And we have to get used to caring about people enough that we actually share him. Somebody in your life is waiting on you to share Jesus with them, to share your story. And sometimes it goes right along with that as invited in the church. And sometimes people say, I'm ready to receive right now. And you pray with them. And, but somebody is waiting on you just to have enough of a heart for people that you'll take the risk and to tell them about what Jesus did for you. John chapter 1, almost done here. Y'all get anything out of this? Somebody say, people are our heart. Turn somebody around you and tell them people matter. 
John chapter 1, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John said and followed Jesus. If you know this story, John the Baptist saw Jesus, said, hey, there he is, the Lamb of God. And Andrew and, and one of the other men, they, they saw that. And they went to Jesus and said, hey, can, can we, you know, hang out with you? And Jesus, he told them, come on. So they, they came and saw, because they asked where he lived. He said, come and see. So they came and saw where he lived. And they had a faith experience. I mean, you imagine if you got to spend the entire night at Jesus' house, what kind of a sleepover is that? A sleepover with Jesus. That sounds like a good movie right there. Somebody should write that. Right? So, no, I shouldn't. Some of y'all should write. So, you know, after that, he already heard Jesus was the Messiah from John, but now that he's experienced it himself, he's convinced. So what do you do when you, when you do that? You think about your family. Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon. He loves Simon. We know him as Peter. He told him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And then looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus changed his name, changed his destiny in that moment. He had a faith experience because Andrew had a heart for his brother. He went and found his brother. We were to keep reading this chapter. The same thing happens to Philip. Philip goes and he found, finds Nathaniel. You know, in John chapter 4, there was a woman by the well, and the Bible teaches that she met Jesus, and Jesus prophesied to her about her life, and she went and she found everybody and told everybody what he had just done for her. See, when you care for people, you don't just get it yourself. You share it. You share it. You got you to gotta share the news. And, and, and you got to get to the place where, as a Christian, those of us who are Christians, where, you know, Christmas isn't just about you. You know what I mean by that? When you're, when you're a kid and it's Christmas, you're not even thinking about what your brother or sister gets. You might think about your best friend. But you're focused on, did I get what's on my list? And some of y'all look at me like, well, I still, I'm still that way. That's what we're working on. We're working on that right now. Right? But when you become a parent or a grandparent, your focus shifts. Now, you do enjoy what you get, but your focus more on watching your kid get what they get. I know I've shared this before, but I'll never forget this. Uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was probably about nine years old. There was something she wanted for Christmas. I don't even really remember what it is anymore. We were over at my parents' house, and you know, we went ahead and said, you know, open the gifts, and she opened her gift, and she got what she wanted. And she jumped up and ran around the house. Yeah! The whole house just screaming, yeah! And everybody just stopped. We were just laughing, almost laughing until we were crying. It was a, if I were to mention that to my parents, even my sisters, they would still tell you, I remember that. That moment made Christmas. I don't know what I got that year. I don't really care. The joy on her face and getting what she wanted was everything. And when you care for your kids, that's how you feel. And when you care for other people, that's how you feel. When you know what they've been through, you know they had a legion in their heart. You know all the things that Satan's trying to do in their life. And then they get saved. Oh, they come to church and they lift their hand. And they make a decision to follow Jesus. And you watch God turn their lives around, especially when they happen to be your brother, your sister, your child, your parents, your best friend. See, that's where your joy comes in. They're running around shouting, and you're almost crying because you're so happy. That's when you have matured. That's when you've gotten beyond yourself, and now people are your heart. And that's when you are ready to live the dream. When you can get past you and become passionate about people living God's dream for them. I like something Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, after all, what gives us hope and joy? What will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. What gives us hope, what gives us joy, what we get excited about is you standing before God next to us when Jesus returns. Paul said, you are our heart. You are what we care about. You are what we're focused on. We love you. 
And when you get to this place, one of your greatest joys in life is helping people know Jesus and live the dream God has for them. Now you're going to live the dream God has for you. People are our heart. That's what we are as a church. We're, we're not about, we thank God for our building. We thank God for the things God is doing. But, but we're, we're, everything we do is for people. That's why we talk about groups and we talk about all these other things that we're doing because we want every one of you to have the future God has for you. And then we want you to reach the people that you know and help them have the future God has for them. And we want to reach the people in the city of Detroit and across this nation and across this world because people are our heart. So let me end with this. I want to give you some very simple information. How do you share, with, share Jesus with people that you care about? And I'm just going to touch on something we talked about before. Number one, start a conversation. Somebody say start. You can't do anything if you don't start. You can't run fast. You can't drive fast. You can't get homework done. You can't do, follow, complete a book. You got to start. And if you're going to reach people in your life, start a conversation. Here's five good questions you can ask them. From the book, Share Jesus Without Fear, we actually give this out to people when they go to our small group training. You can get it for free. Number one, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? What do you believe? Number two, to you, who is Jesus Christ? Number three, do you believe in heaven or hell? Number four, if you died, where would you go? And number five, if what you are believing is not true, would you want to know? Just some good questions. I, I, I was on a plane with someone a couple weeks ago. Uh, coming back from, I don't know where we were, Alabama, and, and start out, okay, what do you believe? And see, when you listen to people instead of preach at people, they'll realize you care about them, and they'll actually listen to you. So, you know, you ask those questions. And we'll put them, we'll make sure we put them online for you. Do you have any spiritual beliefs to you? Who is Jesus Christ? Let's make the conversation about Jesus, not about politics, not about tithing, not about stop trying to clean the fish before you catch the fish. Right? Do you believe in heaven or hell? If you die, where would you go? Why would, heaven, why would God let you into heaven? And if what you believe is not true, would you want to know? And they say, yeah, then you can open up the scriptures. Number two, tell your story. You know, people can debate all kinds of things in this world, but they cannot debate your story. You are the authority on your story. Your story is unique, your story is relatable, your story is personal, your story is memorable, and it is undeniable. So sometimes all you got to do is just be real. Stop hiding who you are. Stop hiding why you're wearing this shirt or why you're, you, you said this or why you don't curse. Or, you know, just when people ask you, just tell them your story. This is what Jesus did for me. And to help you with that, here's some things that will help you. Number one, where were you before this church or before Christ? What happened when you came to Christ? Where are you now? And where would you be without him? There's your story. This is, I was the madman of Gadara, possessed with demon spirits. Jesus came and delivered me. Now I'm sitting here, and I'm delivered, and I'm free, and I'm preaching the gospel of the world around me. And man, without him, I would be lost. What's your story? Your story, it speaks to people. Number three, flow. Somebody say flow. Sometimes when God wants you to talk to people, he'll use you to do miracles. You say, oh, I can't do miracles. No, you can't, but he can. So all you got to do is say what he tells you to say and do what he tells you to do. That's what I mean by flow. Say what God, in your heart, sometimes God will prompt you. You got a little whisper and nudge, and you just kind of say what God wants you to say. Sometimes God may say pray for them, and, and you just do what he tells you to do. So one of our team members, they told us this faith story in our group this week, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit. I should have asked her for details before this experience, but she talked about how she was at the laundromat, and the Lord told her to tell somebody, let me make sure I don't mess this up, the money is coming. And so she sees this lady next to her, and she hears this, and of course she doesn't do it. Right? She finishes all the laundry. She don't get to the car. She don't want to tell some stranger the money's coming. But finally, she went back in, and she, turned, she walked to the lady, and she said, the money's coming, and the lady starts screaming. And then she said, and it won't take, the, it won't take until next year. The lady really started screaming. And it turned out that the woman was waiting for a judgment concerning finances, and it was not supposed to come for a long time. 
There was no way for her to know that. But when she said the money is coming, that was God speaking to that lady. And man, she just starts screaming and praising God in the middle of the laundromat. God will do that with you. That wasn't a minister. He'll do that with you. You just got to start. You just start having a conversation. Sometimes you see somebody in need, just ask, can I pray with you? And you're just praying because, you know, the Bible says pray for people. And sometimes God will say, say this or do this or lay hands here or do this. And you just flow and watch God do the supernatural. And then number four, bring them. How do I share Jesus? Start a conversation. Tell your story. Flow. And then bring them. Eight out of ten people say they will come to church if they're personally invited. Most of the stories I hear about people who made a decision to follow Jesus, it started with somebody inviting them to church. You say, well, if I invite them to church and they say no, what, 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 then what? Okay. You plant. Somebody else waters. God gives the increase. But what if they say yes? Now they and their whole world can change and come to Jesus simply because you invited them. This church has the ability to win your friends and family to Christ. So we can actually work together to help him to know him because we care about them, because they are our heart. So I want to challenge you today to take these values and make them your values. Jesus is my message, and people are my heart. Come on, lift your hands. Let's thank God for the word of God. Thank you, Father for the word of God. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us, that he set us free from so many different things in this place, so many different things in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent someone to us to tell us about him, to rescue us, And if you can agree with this, agree with this. And Father, we commit ourselves today to make you our message and people our heart. We will live the dream you have for us by making a mark in this world. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And now every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. There may be someone here that will say, Pastor, I've never even received Jesus. I never with my own heart, my own mouth, became a part of his family. And I don't know if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. Man, the whole message is about you. God loves you that much. He had you listening to this today because he so badly wants you to be a part of his family. But the choice is yours. Just like in that story where I said that those people asked Jesus to leave and he went ahead and left. Jesus is a gentleman. If you don't want him, he will not invade your life. You've got to invite him in. And if you're ready to do that, we want to help you make the greatest decision you've ever made. Someone else may say, I made that decision, but somewhere along the line, I got away from God. Maybe you were lukewarm, like we talked about. You just had mental fire for God and got caught up in some things, became a little apathetic about spiritual things. Whatever the reason, God loves you so much. And if you'll get right with him, you do what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, confess of your sins. God will forgive you and cleanse you. He's still got a great future for you. We'd love to help you to get right with God, to get on fire for God again. So I've mentioned two simple invitations. The first, to choose to follow Jesus. The second, to get right with him or come home to him. If either one of those invitations apply to you today, if you want to say yes to God concerning either one of those areas, I want to encourage you right now to be bold and to lift your hand. Go and lift your hand now if I'm talking about you. If you've yet to follow Jesus but you want to do that, lift your hand. You want to make sure heaven is your home. Or if you want to get right with God, you're ready to come home to him, ready to really give your life to him like you know you should, lift your hand. We'd be happy to pray with and for you. Glory to God. Amen. Even if you're online somewhere, lift your hand. Let God know, yeah, I'm ready to make that decision. I see that hand. Well, if you raised your hand or you know that you should have raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray it with you as well. Pray this from your heart and watch what God does in your life. So everyone repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today to give you my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I confess with my mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. 
I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord. I turn away from it, and I receive you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer, for answering my prayer, and for saving me now. And Father, we thank you for those that have prayed this prayer for the first time and those who have chosen to come home to you. We thank you that because of their decision, they're part of your family, which means all of your benefits belong to them. So we ask your power work in their lives, helping them to have the victory that you want them to have in whatever situations they're facing. We pray that you help them to know you more and more, to find freedom through, the, through relationships, to discover their God-given purpose, and to make a mark, make a difference in this world. We give you the praise and glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give a round of applause to those that made that decision. Great decisions. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.